We're continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark, and I want to begin this morning by reading verses 14 through 20. This morning, chapter 1, 16 to 20 is our, is our main focus, but I want to begin this morning by reading 14 through 20. So if you have your phone or Bible in front of you, this is Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying that time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Hold on to that phrase because that propels us into these next verses. Repent and believe the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. May God bless the reading of his word. So have you ever thought about how we refer to someone who comes from a different place, from different states? Does it matter what we call someone? So we're going to do a little quiz this morning, all right? A little quiz this morning about how we refer to people who come from different places. So let's start with this one. So a person from Alaska, each one of these, I'm gonna give you three options up on the screen, you're gonna pick the right one. So our options for Alaska are an Alaskite, an Alaskaner, or an Alaskan, all right? So make your pick, register, there's no cool way to vote on your phone. True answer is Alaskan. Now, all of this information came off the internet, so we know it's true, so I don't wanna hear anybody uh, arguing with me about any of these, okay? Not here to be argued with, it's just a little starter, all right? So next, we have the state none of us can pronounce, but we're gonna call it Connecticut, okay? So someone from Connecticut is either, here's your three options, a Connecticut, a Connecticuter, or a Connecticut, all right? So make your, make your pick here, make your pick. Three, two, one, Connecticuter. Again, don't dare Google and prove me wrong. I looked this up, all right? Whatever website I looked up is right. I didn't know a Connecticuter was how you refer to somebody from Connecticut. Go figure. All right. Next one. A person from Maine. How do you refer to someone from Maine? Either a Mainian, a Mainer, or a maniac. I was really proud of that one. I had to get that one up there. So, all right. Three, two, one, a Mainer. Uh, I liked Maniac, but uh, go figure. All right, last one, last one. A person from Texas. All right, here's your options. Yeah. You know what I wanted to put on the screen, but I just thought, <laughs> I... I, I made the slide, I deleted the slide. I made the slide, I deleted the slide. I was like, oh, there would be someone from Texas here who God's working in their life in a really powerful way and they want to respond to Jesus and I would use some word that didn't need to be referred to somebody from Texas. So I got an email uh, a couple of weeks ago and in the email, someone made an observation. This is someone who watches our service regularly uh, online and they made an observation. They said, I noticed Pastor Owen, that you refer to yourself as a follower of Jesus. 
why do you say that and not call yourself a Christian? Now, they weren't being rude at all. It was actually a very kind, encouraging email, but it was an interesting observation. Why do you normally refer to yourself as a follower of Jesus, but I don't regularly hear yourself, hear, hear you call yourself a Christian or a believer or that kind of terminology? And that question got me thinking about these verses that we're going to look at this morning. Does it matter how you refer to yourself, whether you call yourself a Christian or a believer or a follower of Jesus? Now, we're not going to, spoiler alert, like, it's not a bad thing if you call yourself a Christian. So let's just get that out of the way up front. That, that is not a bad thing. But the question behind that question is actually really important. And I think you're going to see it develop in these verses. And then we're going to come around at the end and talk about that. Verse 16, chapter 1, verse 16. Let's look at what's going on here. So it says there, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Andrew here, we find out in another book in the New Testament, Andrew's actually the one who told this brother about Jesus. And yet Andrew doesn't become a part of the inner circle of disciples. Sometimes God works in your life in unique ways to help you influence other people, and you don't become the popular one in the process. But God worked through Andrew's life to draw Simon, his brother, who ultimately will be called Peter. Simon is more commonly known as Peter when you're reading through the New Testament there. But Simon and Peter, it says, are, are fishermen. Fishermen at this time around the Sea of Galilee maybe are not the most educated people. Sometimes that's debated a little bit, but they're incredible business people. Uh, the, the fishing industry is thriving at this time in history around the Sea of Galilee. If you're not familiar with where the Sea of Galilee is, if you think about the Holy Land, if you think about Israel in your mind, think about Lake Arcadia for, for Oklahoma. So I've got a big map of the Mediterranean Sea, not the Sea of Galilee. This is the Mediterranean Sea. You can see Italy up there in the top left, Greece, Turkey. Then you come down the eastern side of the Mediterranean, and you get to what we know of as Israel, where that Holy Land is. Now, we're going to go in a little bit on this map to, to get an idea. So if you look over on the right, and your eyesight's fairly decent, if you think about the Holy Land, the northeast part of the Holy Land, so Lake Arcadia for us as we think about the metro area, the Sea of Galilee is up there. The sea down here in the bottom right is called the Dead Sea, which is famous uh, around the world. Even today, people love to go and just float in the, in the Dead Sea. Over here on the left, top left is a picture of the Sea of Galilee looking down from the north near where Andrew uh, and Peter would have been from. And then this picture here of how they fished, they would throw out these circular nets that had weights around the edge. And when Amanda and I were traveling there in Israel and we went out on the Sea of Galilee, this guide threw one of these nets out into the water. And we asked him, do you ever catch anything? And he said, I've never caught a single thing, but every tourist wants to see it. So he just, you just throw it out there every time. So you throw out this circular net and, and gives you a picture of what it would have looked like. Now we know that Peter and Andrew they weren't fishing from a boat, they're fishing there uh, from, from the land. What do we find out about them in the next verse? Look at what happens to them in the next verse. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And I know there's so many things that we could do with that verse, but what I don't want you to miss is how profound it is that Jesus speaks to them in this way and says to follow me. Because in this culture, it was common for people to 
connect themselves to a rabbi. But the way it happened was, it was always the student's initiative, their decision to connect with the teacher. The, the rabbi or the teacher didn't ask someone to come and follow them. So when you go to college and you're trying to figure out what classes to sign up for, a good strategy is to find who the good teachers are and to sign up with those professors. That's how it worked in the ancient world. The student signed up with the teacher. It almost never happened that the teacher called the students. And yet in this situation, that's exactly what happens. Jesus has the initiative. He is going out and calling the students. And in this culture, when a student would connect with a rabbi, the focus was that that student would study Torah, not follow the rabbi. They were connected with the rabbi, they were connected with the teacher, but was only to be able to teach the student the Old Testament scriptures, the Torah. What does Jesus say here? He says, follow me. I'm not calling you just to study scripture. I'm calling you to follow me. This is a profound statement here. This says something to us about who Jesus knew himself to be, that he's not coming just as another teacher. He is coming to bring that fulfillment of scripture. He is coming to say, I am God with you. I am able to have the authority to call you out, to give your life to me. What qualified Andrew and Peter to be called by Jesus? Were they more intelligent? Were they more religious? Were they better people? No, none of that, none of that. Their ability to follow Jesus had nothing to do with their ability. It was Jesus calling them, Jesus drawing them, Jesus saying, come, give up everything to follow after me. You may be here this morning and you say, you know what, I'm not particularly religious. I struggle reading the Bible. I don't bring a lot to the table. I just try to take care of my family and go to work. What, what do I bring to the table when it comes to following Jesus? Everything, <laughs> everything. You're in exactly the right place for God to work in your life because it's not about what you bring to the table, it's about his call, that he has the authority, he has the power, he is the one who will change your life. Not so you become a great student of the word, though that is a huge part, of what it looks like, but that you give your life to him. And as you give your life to him, he begins to transform your life. The first point this morning, the thing I want you to hear about following Jesus, is following Jesus is all about his authority to call you, his authority to transform your life, his authority to say, come follow me. Now look at the next verse, see what happens in the next verse. Verse 18, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Earlier, when we learned about Jesus' preaching, we learned about when Jesus came to preach, he said, repent and believe in the gospel. Turn away from how you were living, turn away from your old life, and turn to me. Verse 18 in your Bible, if you like to draw arrows in your Bible, or, or connecting lines in your Bible, you draw an arrow from verse 18 back to verse 15. Because what is happening here is verse 18 is the first fulfillment we see in scripture of what Jesus came to preach. Repent and believe in the gospel, and that's exactly what they're doing here. They are turning away, they're leaving their old life, and they're saying we're gonna follow Jesus no matter what. No matter what we have to give up, no matter what we have to turn from, we are going to follow after Jesus. So repent and believe in the gospel. Leave your nets and follow me. Now does that mean their work was sinful? No, it doesn't mean their work is sinful. We're going to talk about this some more in a minute. But their work defined their lives before they encountered Jesus, 
and now they're going to give their lives to Jesus in a, in a whole new way. We get another picture of this in verse 19. So verse 19 and 20 is going to show you the same points, but, but from a different angle. So look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, going on a little farther, Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. Now, the fact that they have a boat may tell us that they have a little more money than, than Peter and Andrew did, but James and John are known in Scripture as the Sons of Thunder. I've always thought Sons of Thunder was either a great professional wrestling name or a great rock band name. Like, it's one of the, one of the two options. Sons of Thunder could work, could work either way, professional wrestling or, or rock band. But, but these guys come. James ultimately will become the first martyr. You go over to Acts, well, actually, following Stephen, he'll be the first disciple who was killed for his faith. Acts chapter 12 in, in your Bible. John writes a lot of the New Testament. The Gospel of John, the letters of John. Most likely he's connected with the book of Revelation as well in your Bible. Same John connected there. They become a part of this work that Jesus is doing. What does Jesus say to them in verse 20? Look in verse 20. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants. Another sign they probably had money because they had people that were working with them. They leave their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants. And they follow Jesus. The first instance, they turned away. They left their nets. Peter and Andrew did. Now we see James and John leaving their father in the boat and following after Jesus. Let me show you this slide to summarize what is going on in these verses. Point number one that you need to get this morning is it's all about Jesus' authority to call you to follow him. These verses are about who he is as God with us. Responding to that call says that we leave something, we turn away from something. Our life is different because of following Jesus. We leave our family and we gain a new identity, a new allegiance, a new community. We leave our job, we leave where we found our purpose in the past where we found our identity and stability in life and we gain a new purpose in life and then we follow Jesus no matter what. And you look at that and you should be thinking, so wait, 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 to follow Jesus, I have to leave my family and leave my job. So, so is Jesus opposed to family? Is he opposed to work? No, not at all, but there's a tension here that we need to, we need to feel together. Family is a good gift from God. Family is established in the Garden of Eden at creation as a good gift. As the story emerges, Jesus, though, comes to transform how we think about our families. Your family, your biological family, does not become your ultimate identity or God. Your family is a good gift from God, but our identity is transformed as we give our lives to Jesus, which means... If you come from a bad family background, if you're here this morning, and when you think about how you were raised, you think about your family background, it's not good memories, it's not pretty, it's not something you like to think about. We think about the fact that when we follow Jesus, our life is not defined or determined by our past. What it means to follow Jesus is not defined and it's not determined by the family in which we grew up that we turn and we follow Jesus, and in Jesus we find a new identity. And as Jesus works in our lives, he brings healing, and he allows us to work through those things that we grew up in, those things that were part of our background. 
if you're here this morning and you grew up in a good family, you had a godly family, a family that invested in your life, can I remind you that your relationship with God is not based simply upon the family that you grew up in. It's not just based on your family background. And students, I know you're incredibly tired this morning, and I completely understand it. Hear me out on this. Many of you, a couple of years, some of you a couple of months from being out of your house, being out from under your family, and you begin to decide, did I go to church, did I do those things because my family told me to do it, because I was raised that way, or because I'm following Jesus with everything I have. That I grew up in a family that took me to church. I grew up in a family that told me about Jesus. But is my identity based on the family in which I grew up, or is my identity based on what it means to follow Jesus, to give my life to him? That as we follow Jesus, family becomes something that helps us to grow in our faith. It's something that God uses to grow us, and we're able to turn around and tell people about him. But our core identity and allegiance and community is not determined by our biological family, it's determined by what it means to follow Jesus. And as we do this, you know what we find? We find the gift of the church. We find what it means to be a part of a family of faith. I grew up in a small, rural, Southern Baptist church in Southwest Oklahoma, green carpet on the floor, wood paneling on the walls, the signs at the front would tell you how many people attended last week and last year, and like that's, that's the situation, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to grow up in that situation, to learn about the gift of, of salvation, to learn about what it means to follow the Lord, and in that church, people would always talk about having a church family, and you hear the phrase church family, and if we're not careful, we roll our eyes or think, man, that's an old school religious phrase. I've come to see that as a really beautiful phrase. <laughs> like what it means to have a church family, to know we are gathered around people and our core connection is that we're all seeking to follow Jesus together. That he's our identity, he's our focus, he's the one that draws us together. What about work? So what about leaving your job? Uh, we're living right now through this time that's often called the great resignation. Uh, we're leaving, living through a time where a lot of people are leaving their jobs, rethinking work. Some of you are just coming into the workplace and thinking, oh my goodness, like, I didn't know what adulting would look like, but I didn't know having a job was going was gonna to feel like this. Or many of you are at a place in life where you're inching up on retirement and you're thinking about work and job, and God, what are you doing in my life through, through this job? If you're in a situation right now where you're really struggling with work, like it's hard to get up and go to work, you're thinking, what in the world am I doing with my life? God, what, what's happening here? Can I ask you just for a minute to step back from those frustrations and think, what does it mean for God to transform the purpose of my work? So maybe I'm frustrated at work. Maybe I'm struggling. Maybe I want to join the great resignation. Maybe I don't want to be here anymore doing this job. But remember, Jesus took them as fishers and said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He took them and took their identity away from their job. They didn't find stability in life because of their job, but he took their job and he transformed the purpose and what it would look like moving forward. He took their background and led them in a new direction. Your job is a part of God's work in your life. Your job is a part of your spiritual growth. Your job is a part of how you live on mission in the Lord. And if you're in a job right now that you love, be careful that you don't find that job becoming a God. 
that you don't find that job determining your identity. You don't find that job determining whether or not you're happy at the end of the day. God, you've given me this job, but it's not going to determine my stability in life. It's not going to determine my identity in life. You. I'm giving my life to you. I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. Jesus calls us. He calls us to leave behind the things of the world and to follow him no matter what. Which leads us all the way back around to our opening question. Christian or follower of Jesus? So I put together a chart. Kind of a compare and contrast. Hear me out on this before you get mad and throw things at the screen and we have to replace the screen, okay? So, so hear me out on this. On the left, when I'm using the word Christian here, I'm using the word Christian how it's used often in our culture, Bible Belt 2022, okay? The word Christian is a beautiful New Testament word. Now, surprisingly, it's only used three times in the New Testament, but it's a wonderful word. So there is no disparaging the fact that you call yourself a Christian. Continue to call yourself a Christian. The thing that concerns me, friends, is that we live in a world where you can call yourself a Christian and there is a lot of confusion around what that term means. People call themselves Christian and it has more to do with the family that they grew up in or some religious experience they had at vacation Bible school or Sunday school when they were little or, or God forbid their association with a particular political group. Christian is a term that is loaded with baggage in our culture. <laughs> Christian is a term that can cause so much confusion in, in our world. To be a follower of Jesus is to be called. To be called by the God of the universe to turn from your sin, to turn from all the things of this world that you would count as God's, and to give yourself completely to Jesus, who died on the cross for your sins to transform your life from the inside out. That this is not just a matter that you were born in a certain location or a certain household or you attend church a few times this is about what your life is about that the god of the universe has called you and transformed you and saved you and put you on this path to know and follow and live for his glory cultural confusion versus called by the god of the universe one of the dangers with christian is we say yeah i'm a christian <laughs> I was a Christian yesterday, Christian today, I'm going to be a Christian tomorrow. It feels very static when we use that term a lot of times. Just, it just is. Like, you know, we meet people and they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. My life pretty much looks like it did 40 years ago. You know, maybe it's not even any better than it was 40 years ago. It just feels very static. What I love about follower of Jesus, about disciple, is it's a phrase that makes us think about growth and action, and my life is going somewhere, and I'm being transformed, and I'm being changed. There's movement, there's activity, there's learning, there's growing. The very word disciple is a word that means student or learner, someone who is learning and making progress and moving forward. One of the things that worries me about the word Christian is people hear that, and it just feels blah sometimes. I'm not saying the word is blah. I'm not saying the theology is like that. The theology behind Christian is beautiful. I just worry about how it's used in our world. A couple other things that concern me about the word Christian in our world is it can be so compartmentalized. <laughs> You're like, I'm a Christian, and I act pretty Christianly at church or part of the time, but there's other parts of my life, but my Christianity doesn't really touch. It describes my life in certain ways, but it doesn't really change me. 
To be a follower of Jesus is to be fully devoted to him in everything you do, no matter what. I am on mission. He transforms what my life is about. So if you go home today, and the one thing you take home is, Pastor Owen said I'm not supposed to call myself a Christian. We've all messed up, <laughs> okay? So, so hear me out here. I'm not saying that's bad. Can I ask you, though, what you mean by that? We're going to have an invitation here in a few minutes, and we're going to stand up and sing a song. And if you're here today, and God is calling you to salvation, that you would respond and that you would give your life to him. But in a room like this, in a location like this, in a church like ours, there's a good chance most everybody here would say, I don't need to do that. I'm a Christian. Can I just call you for a moment to ask yourself what you mean by that? To be a Christian is to be someone who has been called by Jesus, transformed by him as you turn from your sins, as you leave your old ways behind, as you give your life to him, as you're growing in him. Is that true of your life? And you might be here this morning and you say, I have done that. I, I know that I'm saved, but I have not done a great job following Jesus. I have not given my life completely to him. I want to put a phrase up here in front of you as we end this morning that I hope you'll hold on to when you leave. At Oklahoma Baptist University, we use this phrasing, all of life, all for Jesus. Students, make a screensaver about this on your phone, <laughs> write it down somewhere, take it with you. Everything we have talked about this morning drives at this idea right here, that I would live all of life, all for Jesus. Everything I am, everything I do, the relationships I have, what God has in front of me in life, I'm gonna live all of life, all for Jesus, because he is worthy of it. There's an incredible story in John chapter six in your Bible where a lot of people are following Jesus. And Jesus was really bad at church growth. Uh, he would get a bunch of people following him and he would say something really difficult and people would leave and go, some, go somewhere else. And so Jesus was saying things that were really hard and people were starting to leave. And Jesus turns and looks at his disciples and says, hey, are you guys gonna leave too? And they speak up and say, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There are people who will claim to follow Jesus, claim to be Christians, who then will find themselves going off doing something else. But can I ask you this morning, are you living all of life, all for Jesus? That Jesus, through his word this morning, is telling you, follow me. What's your response to that? He's worthy of everything you have to give. He's better than anything this world could ever offer. Right after I pray for us in just a moment, we're gonna stand up and sing a song together about that called Jesus is Better. And the reason we're singing this song this morning is that you would consider in your life, is this true? Do I believe this? Do I believe that Jesus is better than anything else that I could ever give my life to? Anything else I could ever devote my life to? Jesus is better and that as you follow him, he will transform everything about how you live. Let me pray for you. We're gonna have a chance to respond. Father, as we think about your word this morning, God, I'm thankful 
for those times in Scripture that we find followers of Jesus called Christians. That term should mean something. That term should hold weight for us even today. And so we're not here this morning to talk badly about that, but we know living in the Bible Belt uh, in, in 2022 is a pretty confusing place to be, and there's a lot of confusion that people have about religion and Christianity. And so from your word this morning, what we want to think about is what does it mean to follow Jesus? God, that every one of us would hear that and think about our family relationships, the family we grew up in, how much our childhood impacts our lives and how we approach things, how much work dominates our lives, how much anxiety these students face growing up in the world, thinking about going off to college and pursuing these jobs. We take all of that and we bring it back to this idea of follow Jesus. God, that we would live all of life, all for Jesus. Father, I pray if there are people here this morning who just are struggling in life, struggling with faith, struggling with job, maybe don't even know if they want to show up to work this week because of the way they're struggling. God, would you remind them that they are living all of life, all for Jesus. God, that you transform our identity, you transform our purpose in life, and you are so worthy of our lives. God, as we sing this song, help us to believe that Jesus is better. And God, if there's anyone here this morning who's not a follower of Jesus, that you would draw them to salvation, that they would come for prayer, that they would rededicate themselves to you if they've gone away from you. God, thank you for this gathering of the church family. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.